tennis, anyone? Welcome to the Buttons and Seeds Podcast, episode number 51. And I'm Nick, alongside a very uh, groaning and sighing <laughs> Emily, based on that reference. It's just so lame. In in source material, in retelling, it's just lame. Why do we have to acknowledge the U.S. Open? Why? And, and the fact that there's no way to know what the hell I'm talking about unless you're really, really following along. Right. And this is, and well, I mean, there was that one sign that said Raw is tennis, so you can gather from that. For context, uh, today's Nitro is going opposite nothing because Raw has been preempted for the U.S. Open. But welcome to the Butts in the Seeds podcast, where we take a week-by-week look of the slow but inevitable, or what are we calling it, impending doom now, Yeah. of WCW we, we in 1990. towards the impending doom of yes. WCW. <laughs> the verbiage changed. I don't know it anymore. Again, I'm Nick, alongside Emily. I am here. Emily, how you doing? You know, I'm here. How does it feel to uh, not be in 1995? I miss it. This was honestly, like, in all things considered, this was not the worst episode to come back to. I didn't hate myself through all of it, but I miss the stupidity of 1995 wrestling. There was a disturbing lack of Yeti. Yes, there was. So there will be no Yeti, but today we will be talking about the August 30th, 1999 Monday Nitro, live from Uniondale, New York. Which, for in layman's terms, is just Long Island. Yeah. They just keep calling it Long Island, but except for in that first graphic where they said it was Uniondale. So before we get too much into this episode, let's talk a little bit about ratings. Because, Emily, would you believe it? This Nitro is the first one in months to, to break a four. I mean, that makes sense because it's unopposed. Yes, it did a 4.0. A GPA I never got. And as mentioned, that's not up against Raw. So what do you think Raw did two hours later? I mean, ideally, they would probably do the same, if not, like, maybe a little better because they have a better viewership because supposedly people could watch both shows. Correct. That said, Raw did win. So even two hours later, it's still beating everybody. So I don't know how it really works out. It feels like technically less people watched this week. However, it does kind of raise the point that if Nitro actually just moved nights, it might stand a chance. Yeah, I don't know why they feel the need to go head to head instead of is it just like a is it just like a pissing contest? It's pretty much how it started, so yeah. you know, it's probably not far off from that. But yeah, if they moved if they like th- Thunder's not bringing in the ratings and WWE only has the one show, right? No, uh we were saying I think this is the second week where SmackDown exists. Okay, but like prior to this week, WWE only had the one show. Yeah, rewind two or three weeks and it's just the one show. Yeah, so there's nothing saying that Raw couldn't have Monday and Nitro couldn't have Thursdays. Makes us look weak, brother. No, it makes you look like you're not trying to make a monopoly. It makes you look like you're trying to have healthy competition. You know what's funny? The, in everything I've heard about the death of WCW, no one ever mentions them trying to move Nitro. I don't understand why. I don't I mean, I think it's also because the product generally goes downhill. People are like, well, clearly the night's not the issue. It's the product. It's like, well, it could be both. It could be both. They could have focused more on having a good product as opposed to just like fighting for the ratings on that exact same time slot. So I mentioned that this show did a 4.0. Emily, when is the last time you think they did a 4 or better? It was while we were watching. Probably around Starcade. Even later than that. Really? They were doing fours as recently as April. Oh. April 19th was a 4.1, and then uh, it really 
started going down from there. End of August doesn't sound like that's all that recent to April, though. Yeah. and It's basically September. And last week was the first number in the twos since we started the podcast. Woof. Minus weird ratings rules. Even with Kiss, it doesn't make sense. I know. The greatest band in the world. Tony Schiavone's favorite band. That's for real. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get into this actual episode. Once again, it is the August 30th, 1999 Monday Nitro. We are a month and a half from Vince Russo. So close yet so far. And we're one week post-kiss. That's how we're measuring things. Yeah. We're, we are... Uh, Pre, Pre-Russo post-kiss. So we started this Nitro very abruptly. Just I hated it. <laughs> the Brits are entering the ring. It's like... I- it's Steve Regal and Dave Taylor. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, Did you know who they're going up against, though? They said it. Yes. That was the only reason I knew. It's disorderly conduct, which consists of Mean Mike and Tough Tom. <laughs> I also know their names. I did not think you would have. I sure did. Can I tell you which was which? No. Did I watch this match? No, because I was so confused about why we were starting so quickly on an unopposed show. Yeah, it was a very odd start because commentary does not pay attention to this match. They, no. They are just... They're starting the show. Yeah, they're doing the, like, okay, we're going to talk to camera in the middle of this match. Uh, Emily, would you believe it? This is, I believe, their only appearance in the podcast. Shocker. But yeah, so during this whole thing, not even commentary gives a shit about what's going on in the ring. They're just, you know, welcome to Nitro. We're live in Uniondale, New York. Like, I swear they don't even say Uniondale. No, they say Long Island. They say Long Island the entire episode. But the Brits are wrestling these guys. And a couple moves in, they actually say, like, ah, disorderly conduct. And I'm like... Thank you, Jesus. I couldn't tell if they were calling the team, if, if that was the team's name, or if they were just, you know, talking about the fact that there is disorderly conduct amongst the wrestlers. No, it's the team. Yeah, yeah, I figured it out, but it was just kind of a nothing match, even though it was so quick to start. It was, I was really confused, because why was it so quick to start when we actually had time to have a proper intro without having to worry about, like, they're flipping channels, make it look exciting, make it look snappy. You have nothing to go against. You're fighting against tennis. Why are we starting like this? It doesn't make any sense. On commentary, they note everything coming up later. We have DDP versus Goldberg is advertised. Hogan will talk and Berlin will debut. Woo! Sid interferes. <laughs> I just like literally read the notes. Like, oh yeah, there's literally there's a match and then Sid comes down. You couldn't even call it a match. It was like two moves. There is a nice butterfly suplex. I didn't even see it. It's from Dave Taylor. Okay. But yeah, would you believe it? A nothing match to start the show. Sid interferes. <laughs> Which sets a dangerous precedent for the night. Although, I guess, it's not even setting, it's continuing the precedent. Yeah. We'll talk about that as we go along. Sid clears the ring and power bombs disorderly conduct. He is apparently 73-0, and 0, which I feel like is a lot closer than last week than we thought it would be. So, I think... They're counting the wrong things. So his count is like, I have beaten 73 men and none of them have beaten me. He's not pinning these guys. So he's just power bombing them. Well, no, he's he, power bombed 73 men. The issue is he is pinning some of them. And none have retaliated. Because he pins both disorderly conduct and the ref from the match earlier counts the pin. And I'm like, why? Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. I'm like, why are you? Because he power bombs again he just later. Power bombs, but then he puts his number up. That's why I'm saying like he's just counting power bombs that are not retaliated But he sometimes against. pins them and sometimes he doesn't. That's why I'm just I'm just going to count the fucking power bombs. If, they, if he power bombs them and they don't pop up and try to throw hands... Then it's a number for Sid, I guess. 
So Sid gets his special promo lighting. Did you notice actually this I, week? No. Nice <laughs> I little, never noticed it's it. It's a nice purple fanfare. And in a line I swear I've heard in Botchamania before, notably the uh, the John Cena versus Randy Orton never-ending matches advertised. Emily, there's no end. That there's just no end. There's no end. There's no end. There's no end. I was, I was so, like, unenthused with how the show started that I didn't really give all this that much thought. It was very cookie-cutter Sid. Like, this is, we did this. We just did this. Again, we just did this. Sid says he'll bring the number higher and higher to prove he's the Millennium Man and he has no equal. He then prompts Goldberg chants and he's like, if you guys don't stop chanting that, you're going to make me do something I don't want to do. And then power bombs disorderly conduct again. I know you love the shouty, shouty tall man. I really am over Sid. Maybe I'm cynical today, which I am, but I really do not like Sid. I'm over him. I don't find his shouting all that. They're treading water, admittedly. He is treading. He has one gimmick. That's it. Well, yeah. So he power bombs one of disorderly conduct and um, And the number goes up. Oh, no, not um, him. I have no idea which one's which, so. Oh, no. Oh, I don't know. Could not tell you which one. Not him. Oh. Oh, no. Mike Tom. Bummer. Mean Tom and Tough Mike. (laughs) Did you notice the weird, my, my my word of the past couple weeks has been cadence, but did you notice Sid's weird cadence in this? To where it keeps sounding like he's ending his promo. And Tony Schiavone starts, like, talking to be like, okay, we're going to move on. And then Sid just keeps going. And it's like, oh, no, that's, yeah. not, that's not the end of the promo. It's weird. He's doing the Hogan thing where he just doesn't know when to stop talking, brother. No, it, it's a, to me it's a little different because Hogan is trying to get the last word over other people. Sid doesn't know when to stop. Sid's just going to keep talking until someone tells him to stop talking. He just... He also, like Hogan, likes the sound of his own voice. Well, yeah, he like mean mugs for the camera and like then just grabs, has the mic again and keeps going. And <sighs> Tony's like, oh, well, okay, I'll wait. So Charles Robinson's out with Sid and is doing the, the poster board again, like counting the quote pins. It's not a pin. Quote, quote unquote, 73 pins. The victories. Whatever. And Tony Schiavone has a line that I think really embodies how everybody who's watching this feels. Tony Schiavone, in reference to Charles Robinson's count, calls it a count that we obviously just have to go with. Yes, I noted that as well. And I'm like, no, I guess you we don't. Just, we got to no, run with you it. you don't. I guess so. You are the lead commentator. I guess commentator. we got to. We got no choice. I guess we got to go with it. Tony Schiavone is so over this. Like, Sid needs to beat up Tony so that Tony goes along with it. Like no, Tony's going along with it. He's just not really. You Tony know. is broadcasting free propaganda for Sid and is fine with it. I I guess we have to go along, folks. You know, he's oh. phoning it in. If anything, like he's just like, yeah, I guess that's it. That's a number. Sure, whatever. Cut me a paycheck, and I just want to go home. I noted, yeah, this story is stalling out, and the number is not increasing at the comically large rate it was before, right. so I'm not laughing with this. Just like, okay, well. If he came out and it was at, like, 95, then I'd be like, okay, ridiculous. Yeah, and Goldberg still doesn't seem to care, so I'm just no. like, I'm waiting for that. Like, that, that's that's what you're building, you know, you're doing it so obviously, and you're literally having him call out Goldberg. Goldberg doesn't give a shit, so no. now I'm like, so this okay. is just going to go nowhere. Well, he seems to get challenged later, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. 
We then go to a clip from earlier today. Lenny and Lodi arrive at the arena. Not much to note there. They're not on the list, apparently, although it doesn't They're play like into anything. denied entrance, and there's audience people that are like, you know, I guess fans. They found fans. These guys yeah. didn't seem to be like, oh, you're gay. <laughs> like, they actually seem to be like, yeah, Lodi and Lenny. They were excited. They weren't, you know, well, talking down to them. Well, they're not gay. They're brothers. They can be both. What? They can be gay brothers. I, I, I don't understand, but okay. It is Pride Month. I, uh, I think by the time this comes out, it will not be anymore. Ah, oh, shit, you're right. It's Independence Month. We then get last week's Nitro recap, which includes Goldberg versus DDP, the Eric Bischoff, Are You the President segment, which he's not, Sid, Hogan, Luger, Sting, and Kiss. We then get the Nitro opening, the Nitro girls, and the opening Pyro. Speaking of the Nitro Girls, I forget if it's here or in a different one. They know, like, oh, yeah, that surge for the next Nitro Girl. It's going to be revealed, like, November 8th. Yeah, November. <laughs> we have time, man. Yeah, we have two months. It was, like, mid-November, too. I said the 8th. I, I forget. Maybe the 18th for all the hell I remember. I but remember. I think it was single day. It doesn't matter. But we have two months for them to do nothing with this. Yeah. Why? Why are they hyping this for two months? I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be, like, a diva search type thing where they bring people out and... Oh, God. Have like the audience vote on them? I think I've showed you this clip. Do you remember the Grain Inspector? Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> that that's the Miss NWO. No, it's one of the first Diva Search contests. I want to say they have all of them introduced, and it's like here's how you vote, and it's Baby Miz doing it, like not like not like cartoon baby, like like debut Miz oh, yeah. and he's so nervous and he messes up the phone number and it's like oh, oh you god. have showed me this oh god it's so sad and cringy oh he's fantastic now but it's just like oh god I just yeah. it's a man so unsure of himself and I'm like oh. but look at him now yeah. he's the face of confidence in WWE he's the face of Miz and Mrs is that show even still on yep jeez they canceled Total Divas and they still have Miz and Mrs. I'm disappointed. I don't think they were ever on at the same time. Yeah, they were. Were they? I feel like the one was the replacement for the other. No, Total Divas got canceled like right before the pandemic. Yeah, Miz and Mrs. And Mrs. Mrs. is only is is older than that. No, it can't, it's not that old, is it? I think they were running in tandem. Okay, no, you are correct. After looking it up, there is a little bit of overlap. See, I know my reality TV. Yeah, Ms. and Mrs. debuted in July 2018. Total Divas went off the air in December 2019. And Total Bellas ended January 2021. Oh, wow, that went longer than I thought it did. I thought Total Bellas also died in 2020. I never watched Total Bellas and I've never watched Ms. and Mrs. But Total Divas was a work of art. I miss it. I do almost want to go watch that show for the male wrestlers they bring in who don't seem to give a shit. They don't really bring in a lot of male wrestlers. It's really just Daniel Bryan and sometimes John Cena. I remember there being a story of like, why doesn't Tyson Kidd want to want to bang me? Why is he just why is he bringing Cesaro on dates? Oh yeah, Total Divas made Tyson Kidd look like a absolute pushover. Look awful it made him look like he and natty were in an unloving marriage it was really hard to watch <laughs> anyway um we live we're, we're not even in the first segment yet i'd rather talk about total divas well tony and bobby check in and they talk about kiss and the kiss demon and bobby's like i thought the demon was played by gene 
Yeah, why'd they just dig at Gene like that? <laughs> well, Gene is all over this fucking show. I think that was also meant to be a pivot into throwing to Gene, but then they have a couple lines and then throw to Gene. Yeah, Bobby did try. Well, it's like, oh, I, th- I thought it was played by Oakland. And then they, like, throw to Gene and, like, oh, wait, we actually have an ad read. And oh, Gene, yeah, that was awkward. Gene calls for Lex Luthor to come out in the background of the ad read. And then they actually go to Gene and just, like, all right, one more time. Weird. Lex Luger, The total package. Total package. Luger comes out in New York Yankees gear. I'm like, all right, sure. Long Island, yeah. Sorry, Uniondale, yeah. Luger apparently has info that Hulk Hogan is not trustworthy. Luger calls Hogan on his bullshit and basically is like, hey, remember how for the last three years you were a dickhead heel? And I added, I'm like, remember that one promo you cut where you literally said, I never liked any of the fans. I did it for the money. (laughs) That's very Kevin Nash of him. Yeah. And I'm like, if anything, he said that as recently as like February. So like. So knowing what we know about what Lex Luger has, would you call it? concrete evidence no but that's kind of the point (laughs) yeah because lex comes out and he's like i have concrete evidence that hulk hogan is a con man he's a scammer and this concrete evidence will be enough to prove to his best buddy sting that he's not a good guy it's not concrete ladies and gentlemen it is all right so what plastic it is flimsy what did you think it was going to be when he said this. I thought it was going to be something dumb. I had a feeling it would be something with I the went, Hummer. Because I know I went dumber than you. Yeah. I had a feeling it would be something with the Hummer. Really? I did. I because Just because like I went dumb and I was like, wouldn't it be stupid if they brought back the fucking Hummer? See, I, Ta-da. My thought was he's just going to show the end of Bash of the Beach 96 where Hogan turns heel and is like, see, we trusted him once. No, because they're not playing Luger up to be that much of an idiot. And he is doing these promos earnestly. Like he has something new. And Luger is not meant to be an airhead. Yeah, I do like the wrinkle that he's like, look, I know this isn't popular. Like, I don't feel good about this, but like, you all should know this. That's why I didn't think it was going to be like a cop out. Like, remember when he did this? No, this was going to be something new. Yeah, because he gets booed on the way out. And he's like, oh yeah, I'll show my footage later. Or he didn't say footage. He'll show My evidence. Yeah. Commentary does note that Sting versus Hogan is set for Fall Brawl for the WCW title. So we have a main event. But that doesn't really feel like it's going to be like a big brawl event yet because they're supposed to be buddies right now, Sting and Hogan. Like, yeah, Sting wants the belt, but it's not going to be like, I hate you. You don't deserve it. So yeah. this kind of puts a wrinkle in it. Yeah. I mean, I at the end of the day, the, the title match and one of the titles should be story enough. And then you can add on top of that. Yeah. In theory. I, I'll put it this way. I'll take a, I want the title. I have the title story as opposed to random pay-per-view match signed between two guys. But they just can't go into that main event being like two faces, basically. They can. It wouldn't be an exciting main event. Yeah, I mean, I'll t- two faces you can do a lot easier than two heels. Yeah, but if one of those heels were to be Hulk Hogan, who is, you know, a fairly good heel, then you could do some like characterization with it. It could be entertaining. It's not, you know... Well, we, we, Rick we, Steiner versus DDP. Like, I don't know. Random heels. Well, we kind of ran into that actually with Hogan, where it was Hogan and Flair. And it was just like, no one cares at this point. Because like, it was like the mid-face turn for Hogan. And it's like, okay, no one's likable. When they're big characters like that, I am more willing to let it go. But I also don't really care about the heel-face dynamic. If it's going to be a good show, if it's going to be a good match, it's a good match. Who cares? Well, speaking of big characters, backstage, we get Berlin arriving in a Mercedes. 
Ja. Peak German engineering. Ja, guten Tag. Yeah, you want me to leave that in? Ich spreche. He, he arrives with his security and his interpreter, who we'll see if she's here next week, but we'll get Uda. that. Yeah, Bo- Bobby's a little uh, occupied. He's obsessed with the interpreter. Her name is Uda Ludendorff. We then get a kiss recap. We go to our first actual match. I guess first match with a real ending of the night. It is Lash LaRue versus Scotty Riggs. My first note is, I'm waiting for Sid. And so is the crowd, because they're a strong, we want Sid chance during this. But, like, why? Because they're trained to know, oh, this is a bullshit match. Sid's going to come down and kill these dudes. But they want Sid? I guess. He's not doing anything exciting. More exciting than this match. Uh, I don't know, man. I do, I honestly, like, during this match, I did start to feel bad for Scotty Riggs and Lash LaRue. Because nobody gave a shit about them. And they were, like, putting on a match. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, outstanding. It wasn't stop everything and, like, focus on this great. But it was still, like, a fairly competent match. But commentary was talking about Kiss. And they were talking about Berlin. And the crowd was chanting for Sid. Like, no one gave a shit. Yeah, this is a bad crowd. Yeah, this is a bad crowd. I don't think it's in this match, but... Through a bunch of the other matches, they're just looking at something else going on in the crowd. And sometimes it draws commentaries focused. Like, yeah. you can literally see everyone on the hard camera looking over away from the match. And it's just like, That's just we never figure out what it is. But I, I looked into it. I couldn't find anything. No one notes it. It was any probably sort of nothing big. It was probably just, like, an audience member being disorderly with, I, like, a yeah, security guard I or heard something. something about, like, someone in a one-piece bathing suit. I'm like, is there someone, like, showing her boobs? Like, like, didn't Jean say, like... She, she's gonna hit the bricks or something like that. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's a it's a bad crowd tonight. They yeah. they want to see a very small handful of people, and that's it. That said, this is pretty standard action, and the crowd don't really care because it's two characters that haven't. Scotty Riggs hasn't been on in a while. No, and Lash Theroux hasn't had a completed match in months. Yeah. So Nick, in our last episode when we were doing ninety five. We were talking about who would be in our um, non-wrestler boy stable, and we were talking about Ralphus. And you mentioned how much you miss Ralphus, and I agree. And you know who else agrees? Someone in the crowd. This audience. Someone had a sign that said, I miss Ralphus. I do too, brother. Riggs works over LaRue for the most part. Riggs clotheslines LaRue, and the ICP and Vampiro suddenly like come out to ringside. Why? Get used to that sentence. I guess both of them. Yeah. Vampiro points to Riggs and is like, you owe me. What do you owe him? I'm kind of on Riggs' side. Like, what did he do? Riggs hits a rocker dropper and gets the win. Like, LaRue wasn't really distracted by no. Vampiro or the ICP, so I'm like, okay. But Vampiro doubles down. Well, and they get into, Vamp- like, a little conversation in the ring of, like, you owe me. I don't owe you shit. You owe me. Like, Well, as what? Riggs is hitting his finisher and getting the pin, Vampiro, like, gets in the ring and sits on the top rope. And the ref's kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So, yeah, and Riggs has no idea what Vampiro is talking about. Like, he, like, shakes him off and, like, putting his arm around him. And Vampiro keeps going, like, oh, you owe me. Yeah, but even Riggs is like, why? I don't owe you anything. Like, no, you owe me. What do I owe you? Emily, can I make this more frustrating? It's never paid off, is it? This is the last Scotty Riggs match we're going to see. Really? Oh, that's kind of sad. Is it? I don't know. I don't want them to just, like, disappear. Yeah, I, I don't really get what they were going for here. Um... And he may appear in a storyline. I forget if he has more, like, Thunder matches or not, but this is the last time we will see him on the podcast. I'm not, I don't I'm really, not really sad, yeah, but I'm not, like... 
I don't really feel the need to do a whole postmortem, but uh In the arms of angels, Scotty Riggs wrestled here. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. And uh it's probably more <laughs> attention than uh than we've given him throughout the entire podcast. Yeah, this was weird and considering they did the story again later, I don't know why yeah. they did it here. You owe me. Moving on. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, moving on, the revolution then come out in uh, in lame t-shirts and black pants, all matching. It's like, oh, man. I know the Radicals shirts are also pretty lame, but man, this is uh, this is also pretty shit t-shirts. Yeah, it is it is pretty lame. Douglas fires up the crowd and says it's time for a change. Shane Douglas has taken the revolution and run with it. This wasn't even his thing. He was invited in. Now he's like the fucking leader. Well, did you laugh at him pulling the crowd as much as I did? No. Because he kind of pulls, like, for each person. It's like, with Benoit, hey, you know. I did not catch that. And then he's like, and the franchise. And it was, like, to me, clearly fourth place. And it was like, yeah, no, you're the least popular. Yeah, no kidding. And both of us kind of noted throughout the last several weeks, and especially here, Dean Malenko just looks done. He's over it. He has one foot out the door. I would not be surprised if he's the one that convinced the others to leave, too. Like, Dean sees the inside, I think, better than the other three do. It's a large mix. It has to do with a lot of booking. We'll talk about it when they leave, uh, kind of what happened there. Yeah. I mean, Dean's not getting good matches. Perry's not getting good matches. Chris Benoit has a good run right now with the U.S. title, but I don't know. Does Eddie leave at the same time as the three of them? Yes. See, Eddie's got a good run going right now. So that's why I feel like he's going to need some convincing. So that's why I think, like, Dean Malenko is the head of the fuck WCW, let's get the hell out of here train. Like I said, we'll chat about it more when we uh, get to it, which isn't until 2000. Which I, I always think it's before. I mean, it's January 2000. Oh, okay. Well, it's close. <laughs> I think it's like the first couple weeks of January. Too. Saturn very meekly challenges Rick Steiner for the TV title at Fall Brawl. Like, it was like a... Perry's you, not a good promo. You know, if it's not too much trouble. <laughs> oh, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, geez, Rick. If you wouldn't mind uh, coming into the ring and uh, yeah, having it was, a match. Like, it, just, it was sad. It really, like, it, it cut the legs out of the challenge. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then Benoit challenges, like, anyone to face him for the U.S. title, which... I mean, he has a U.S. title match later, but it's not like... It doesn't feel like that was a response to this. No. And then he challenges someone later, so I'm like, why? What's the point of this? And, like, yeah, Dean Lego doesn't really have much to say or do here right now. Down with evolution. In with revolution. In with revolution. Yeah, something like that. I don't really get the down with evolution. He doesn't believe in Darwin. You know, He's a creationist. I made that same joke and you got mad at me. Did I? Yeah. I, I said Shane Douglas is confirmed creationist. And like, oh, that's too dumb. It is dumb. It is dumb. It's a line you either die or hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Emily, congratulations. I am the villain. We'll see all these guys later and they'll actually be doing stuff. I don't know what the point of this was besides kill in five minutes. Yeah. I'd rather this shit though than 13 matches. Well, speaking of killing time, we get the Nitro Girls. With a prop! Oh, this is the chair one? Ladies have a prop. The props add nothing to the Nitro Girl dances, but they don't take away. I don't know. They're fun. When they have a hat, they have a chair this time. Like You're very simple to please. I, I th- Listen, I said this during 1985. The setup for the um, 
DDP and what's his face match like Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad and what was the other guy? Mike Muscle. Max Muscle. Ma- <laughs> yeah. Maximum Muscle. That whole setup was so simple, and I loved it. I'm a simple woman. Moving on to our most frustrating match of the night, in my opinion. This racist-ass music. Holy shit, yes. Um, I feel like now, that, now that we're even monetized, I feel like we, if we played it, we might get We might, yeah. <laughs> like, it has pulled off the platforms. Yeah, the, the most stereotypical like, Asian... Like, Not even, like, Japanese or Chinese. It's just Asian music. But, yeah, it, uh, it's Kaz Hayashi, by the way, is who this is for. Which, I swear he didn't have this last time. I don't think he did. Versus... It's either Lenny or Lodi. It's it, Lodi. Yeah, it, well, it, it, you wouldn't know that when they're coming out. And That's you wouldn't true. know that when the match starts because both of them are in the ring and Kaz clears both of them. And I'm like, who the fuck is in this match? Yeah, it was really hard to keep track of. Oh, but when Lenny and Lodi are coming to the ring, one of them says, when Lenny and Lodi are in town, someone's going down. <laughs> Get it? It's a blowjob. Funny. And if you didn't know that they're gay, one of them has pigtails in and they put ribbons on the it's, belt. It's Lenny. Who he, cares? Because he goes over the top and twirling his hair. Oh, my God. Yeah. Again, you know how we gave the Nitro Girls a prop and they ran with it? We gave Lenny fun hair and he's just going with it. But, yeah, the Christmas ribbons, basically, on the belt. You know how, like, when you go to the drugstore and you need to get, like, a ribbon to put on a bag or a gift and it's just, like, a sticker? I swear that's what these were. I feel like you're the first person to call it the drugstore since, like, 1970. Well, I don't want to say, like, Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid. Like, we have international listeners. The pharmacy. We're going to the drugstore. Buying drugs. That's where you buy drugs. This match is very sloppy. It's bad. And and we pointed fingers in different places on this because I think a lot of it's Kaz. And you thought a lot of it was Lodi. I did think a lot of it was Lodi. Early on, Kaz botches the head sisters and like almost falls on his own head. And it's like, oh, shit. And then Kaz works over the ass of Lodi and even like gestures like, ow, my tushy. My butt. It just didn't ever feel like Lenny Lodi, whichever one was in there, had a good grip on whatever move he was about to do. It just felt like he was not secure, which made me worry for Kaz, honestly. Lodi dives onto both men from the top rope to the floor, and then back inside, Kaz hits a top rope Hurricane Rana, and then, like, botches reversing a back suplex, where the spot is you land on your feet. And the fact that Kaz screws that up, I'm like, yeah, it feels like him. Because, again, he, like, almost lands on his head, and I'm like, yeah, what are you doing, dude? I don't know. I think it might be a combined effort. Yeah. <laughs> In probably an ill-advised spot, he then hits a brain buster. And I'm like, Jesus, okay, this match isn't going great. Let me do the one where I can paralyze a guy. Good. He then gets tripped up on the top rope by Lenny. And then we get a nice middle row bulldog from Lodi. The ref gets bumped. You, you thought he got clipped pretty good. It looked like he was putting his head a little too close to where he's supposed to get bumped. And the heels decide <laughs> to pull twin magic on two men that don't look remotely similar. I know I guess they're kayfabe brothers, but... They're no Nikki and Bree. So it's like, okay, they're going to do this spot. Then Kaz gets Lenny in a small package and gets the pin, because the ref, I guess, I can't see. And it's like, oh yeah, shoulders down. That's three. And they go to be like, you yeah, know, that, that wasn't me. Like, basically, we cheated. And the ref's like, nah, fuck it. Kaz wins anyway. Yeah, it was really confusing. I also have to raise the point. What was the heels' plan there? Well, they didn't want to um, lose the belt. 
But the belt wasn't on the line. You're right. I was thinking that the that Lenny and Lodi were trying to lose by DQ so that they didn't lose the belt. But if the belt wasn't on the line, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and additionally, commentary notes, like, he should have won the Cruiserweight title right there. It's like, is every match with him a Cruiserweight title match? I don't know. Honestly, I think we need to kind of operate under that assumption where if someone is a champion and is, has a match... Just assume that for, the belt's on the line. Yeah, because we kind of have that later with the tag team titles. And it's just like... Yeah. But that one's a little bit more clear, though. I thought so. We'll, we'll get there. I thought it was a little more clear. Uh, I didn't have an issue with it. Post match, we'll get there. But let's say the ref comes too. He's just gonna see Lenny in the ring and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, I don't know. There's no need to be secret when you look that different. They look just, different, but at a glance, we don't know which is which. I do. Which one's which? The one with the, with the twirly hair is Lenny. He doesn't always have the same hair. The one with the signs is Lodi. He doesn't always have the signs. Also, Lodi, I think, still has very stupid signs. I, I can tell them apart very easily. It's not that I, hard. You're having issues in this. One of them looks like Chris Jericho. One of them doesn't. Aha, so you admit he looks like Chris Jericho. You fought me on this weeks ago. No, I fought you on you saying he's trying to be Chris Jericho. He was trying to be Chris Jericho. No, he Jericho wasn't. had the floofy hair and was playing with his hair and came down in like sparkly clothes and was being like a better character. But yeah, no, Lenny was trying to be Jericho. And you just called him Chris Jericho, so I win that argument. I said he looks like him. I win the argument. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. Anyway, before we move on, the heels do beat down Kaz after the match. They hit a like suplex crossbody while the racist music is playing. And it's like, what was the point of this? There was no point. Moving on, we get Mean Gene bringing out Hulk Hogan. Who Mean Gene lauds for living through the eras of, you know, a cell phone in cyberspace world. It's like, he's still relevant. He's still here. He powered through our hero, Hulk Hogan. A cell phone in cyberspace world in 1999. I know. and You have the, no idea, Mean Gene. Well, I was say, the fact that Hogan gets taken down via, you know, leaked, vi- leaked oh, online yeah. video, I'm like, yeah, he did not survive a cyberspace not, world. He does not thrive in the cyberspace world, brother. Cyber. What's the last time you heard somebody refer to as a cyberspace? I'm now going to all the time. <laughs> you can't Watch me. Uh, you go to work tomorrow. I'm like, oh, we got a meeting on the cyberspace. So Hogan comes out in red pants, and I was like, oh, good, he's given up the trunks. He has not. No, this is just his uh, promo pants. Promo pants! We're going to call him promo pants. Hogan fires at the crowd and says he will never stab Sting in the back. He says he'll be in the back eating fruit and being cool while he waits for Luker to present his evidence. Did he actually say eating fruit and being cool? He doesn't say eating fruit. I wanted to take line was being cool. I kind of half caught it. He said he had to go call his son, too. Yeah, I, I don't really know what he's going for with this. He keeps bringing up his son. He's an honest family man, Nick. He has to call his son Nitro Nick and tell Nitro Nick I'm that Nitro he will Nick. never backstab his friends. Well, he does say that, like, if Luger starts causing problems, he's going to kick his ass. I'm like, okay, wow. <laughs> well, what a good message to give little Nitro Nick. And in something I I'm, I want to keep an eye out for in the upcoming weeks... I want to keep your ears open for the phrase Hulkamania. Okay. Because I've been noticing they're not really using it. They're not printing it on t-shirts. Hogan says the mania. The only person who says Hulkamania on this show is Michael Buffer, who doesn't give a shit. They are calling his fans the Hulkamaniacs, though. You? I'm, no, he, he is. I know, but I'm wondering 
is that legally distinct? Does WWE own the copyright for Hulkamania? But not Maniacs. Because they used to have a shirt that said Hulkamania. Yeah, and people in the audience are wearing that nope, shirt. that shirt says Hulkster. I've definitely seen some. It's probably older shirts, but it's the same font, the same design, and it says Hulkster. And I'm like, yeah, they definitely. I'm really wondering, does WWE own the copyright for Hulkamania? And just Michael Buffer doesn't give a shit enough to 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 keep up. He gets paid too much to give a shit. Well, I think as we noted in Halloween Havoc, the king of Hulkmania. Oh yeah. Which technically is legally distinct. Anyway, this is another one of the many like half promos where I'm like, you're just killing time. Oh, but we do need to note the audio glitch that was happening during this promo. Yes, because I thought it, w- it was because we were watching the, like a VHS rip, and I'm like, okay, maybe something weird with that. But then we go to commentary after this segment, and Tony and Bobby shill like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair videotapes, and this random piano music plays over their like their shilling, and even Tony's like, okay, you haven't. Just- play piano music over me it's fine what, and that's know? when we knew it was real yeah i was like oh he pointed it out and it's not like it's anyone's theme like i thought it for a no. minute it was gonna it was like oh is this like berlin like no it's it sounded like the beginning to desperado yeah not far off from that no it, it sounded like you know a wcw version of desperado yeah so it did it could what if what if terry funk was coming out <laughs> he'll be here eventually why I don't even know he if he doesn't he's, need these. I don't even know if he's officially retired as of 2022. He will never retire. He will retire the day he dies. What if, even then he might come what back. What if Ric Flair's last match is against Terry Funk? Oh my god. That would be sad. Yes. That'd just be two very creaky old men. They'd so, probably throw thumbtacks at each other and bleed, and they'd, that'd probably be how they'd die. They'd bleed out. Somehow Terry Funk would still do a moonsault. <laughs> and Rick would still take his shirt off and strut across the ring. Well, speaking of strutting across the ring, Emily. Oh no. We move on to the shining light Ugh. in this ma- in this nitro. It is a tag team match of La Parca and Blitzkrieg versus Ugh. Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. And minus the weirdness of La Parca having new gear and Rey wearing his stupid suspenders, holy fuck, did we love this match? I swooned. For however many minutes this match was, I don't. I don't have very it's many. Probably notes. Like four minutes. It's not long. I didn't take very many notes, but oh my god, was this a perfect match? This was fun. This was energetic. I, Everyone I looked like they were having notes. a good time. Oh my god, it was so fun. Yeah, I had a really hard time taking notes just because of how quick this match goes. It was good pacing. It was quick. It was flippy. It was fun. It was light. It was everyone doing the peak of their performance. You could see everyone happy with where they were. Like, usually, recently, we've seen Rey Mysterio going up against people where he's just like, why am I here? But he actually had a smile on his face during this. Yeah, and this match starts perfectly of Laparka asking Ray, hey, can you get out of the way? Because I want to do my strut and my dance. Oh my god, Laparka danced all over that ring. It was beautiful. I didn't know Laparka had a dance thing. Yeah. I, he, I think you missed him during his entrance because he also has the, the, the chair air guitar. That. Oh, yeah. I knew he had the chair. Oh my god, it was so good. Ray does hit him as the dance is winding down. <laughs> Honestly, this match is so fast paced that I like I'm I really had a hard time keeping notes. This just go watch it. Ray gets slid to the floor into a tornado DDT on Laparka in a really smooth. Spot. Oh my god, it's oh, beautiful. Laparka is very committed to doing his strut. <laughs> he like he does it. He keeps getting interrupted, and then Ray dives and he catches him, 
and is like holding Ray up and does the strut while holding Ray. And I'm like, fuck yes. What a man. There's some real fun action, but unfortunately, there is storyline to go along with this. The ICP and Vampiro appear on the stage. I was so mad when they came out. I yelled. I yelled at the screen. Luckily, they do not interfere. I yelled at the screen. You stay up there. You do not ruin this. Eddie tags in and cleans house, and this is so fast. Eddie vaults Ray into a top rope Hurricane Rana and then hits the frog splash on Blitzkrieg and wins. I, we I, could gush yeah. for 10 more minutes. I, again, I can't do this justice. This is such a random match. Go but find it. It's so good. Yeah. They, if you don't want to pay for Peacock, I'm sure it's randomly available on like Daily Motion or yeah. something. And to start this match off, we got a beautiful line from commentary too. This match has everything. Oh. It has Bobby Heenan snark <laughs> I forgot about this on line. top of all of the good that we just gushed about. I, if my memory serves, the line is Ray's house could burn down and he would lose $8 in clothes. Yeah. <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah, those suspenders are so bad. He's worn the same pair of overalls whenever he wears suspenders. Again, go find this one. I don't I, I remember there being any ICP kind of story at the end of this. No, they did not interfere. They didn't do anything. I'd like to believe that they saw the beautiful match that was happening and were like, nope, doesn't need us. We're going to stay up here. I'd like to believe that. I'm not sure that's how any of that went down, but that's my headcanon. Yeah, we didn't see. So one of the, one of the producers kind of come out to and like, don't you fucking interfere. Don't, don't do it. Raven comes back for one week. Just no. <laughs> well, moving from one highlight of the show to another, but for very different reasons, we then get a Berlin hype package followed by Mean Gene bringing out Berlin. And he's like, I don't really know what the hell to expect here. And I don't think we really did either. No. Berlin comes out to the... Uh, I don't really love the theme, but at least oh, feels I like different. It a lot. It's O Fortuna. Yeah. And I'm probably yeah. mispronouncing that. I love when they use classical music as wrestlers' themes. Yeah, I just don't love this version they have. Oh, I like it. And it, it feels very, like, dystopian. Yes. I agree with you on that. Yeah. And, yeah, he just comes out. And it, it, there's a very different feel in the arena. Like, this feels like, like something we haven't seen before. It's a different character. They do manage to not note that he's Alex Wright. They do know we know he speaks English, but he refuses to do so. <laughs> because English is a dirty, disgusting language and he doesn't want it on his tongue. Yes, well, he, <laughs> he notes that later. But Berlin is here. And uh, in a spot both of us loved, his security, who will go on to be a wrestler, oh, gets in the ring before Berlin and pats Gene down. And it was like, it's a nice spot where I don't even know that Gene was was fully expecting it. And it was just, no, I think that that might have been the spur of the moment. Maybe. Or it, it was great because I think, I think Bobby like laughs at it too. It's like, we should be doing this a while ago. <laughs> he comes out with like a whole entourage and they're all in like suits and very um, corporate looking. And then there's Berlin with his stupid mohawk. I don't love his look, but I like his energy. I don't mind the look. It is different. I'll give you that. Berlin cuts his promo in German, and the interpreter kind of, I guess, I'm actually wondering how accurate the, the lines are. You're wondering how well he speaks German. I'm like, he is German at the end of the day. He was saying German words. Like, I do recognize some of the words that he was saying that were being translated. So the translation was pretty accurate, I think. I say he was born in Germany. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's in, I don't know that he's a native German speaker, but I know. He, he probably has family that, if anything, helped him with the promo. Like, he, anybody can memorize a, a paragraph. Yeah, admittedly, I don't know the entire uh, backstory of Alex Wright, so That's shame okay. on me. I always find it ironic 
when someone who speaks German fluently says that English is a dirty language because German, well, I love that language and I've studied it for six years. I didn't retain a ton of it. Don't ask me. It's not the most beautiful language. It is not a romance language. It is very harsh and hacky and spitty and fun. Well, according to Better Call Saul, how do you say bullshit in German? Bullshit. So he, he notes in German that it's like, okay, all the wrestlers you have, when they wrestle, they're just wrestling. But when I wrestle, it's an art. Yes, I like that. He does, unfortunately, kill a lot of the intrigue we have. Yeah. He says that he's a machine built by like German businessmen. <laughs> and he's decided the first man he will destroy. Buff Bagwell. Why? And I was like, okay. Why Cool, buff? you're in the mid card. Now we know. God. If you're a machine, come out and challenge Goldberg. Goldberg's not doing shit. Well, you can't have him beat Goldberg. I don't know. You don't have him beat him. That would hype Goldberg up even more. Okay. Goldberg's about to feud with Sid. Who do you put him up against to elevate him? I don't know. Ironically, as much as WCW is like, okay, it's just like, there's the main event guys and everybody else. It almost speaks to how currently shallow the roster is. Because I'm like... It does feel I shallow. I don't know who you'd have him beat to like bring him up to main event status. Benoit? Like, maybe? Like, that's the only person I can kind of think of. Put the U.S. Yeah. title on him? I mean, I don't know. I guess. There's not a lot of main event faces So many people right are now. out. Like, there's the three main event faces, and you're not going to do him against Hogan. You're not, not going right to do him away. against Sting. Sting's facing Hogan. And and if you're giving him to Goldberg, you're feeding him to Goldberg. Right. So, and then that kind of kills the gimmick immediately. So, I guess at the end of the day, it, it's got to be buff? I don't know. <sighs> A Steiner, maybe? Steiners are heels. and They really and, don't have very many faces. And Scott hasn't been here in a while. Yeah, but, I don't know. Well, unfortunately, he's in a tag team, and he admittedly might have gotten a little too race-centric, but him versus Booker T would have been pretty good. That would be good. I think that would be a fun match to watch. Yeah, I don't think that... But, that doesn't have to be race-centric. Okay, it doesn't have to be, but tell me what they wouldn't go there. I don't know. I mean... I, Admittedly, I don't know how much of it would be intentional. I mean, this is the company that three years prior called somebody the final solution and then had to change it. But they changed it. But they still sent him out there the first time with that. Yeah. Yeah. So all it takes is one mention and then the uh, whole story is uncomfortable. But let's, let's not dwell on what they didn't do. Yeah. Berlin notes that Bagwell represents the worst parts of America. Which, Yes. And yeah, he refuses to speak English because the language disgusts him. What did he Berlin say that Buff represented? It was like narcissism, machismo, something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it was more or less the the cocky attitude of of America, and it just yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, no, that's he's the, absolutely not wrong. I just think it's like whatever we're missing. Just know that whatever he said, he wasn't wrong about Buff. <sighs> However, we were both wondering if if the interpreter will be here next week. Because she very much botches the final line of this. Like the send-off line. Yeah. And it's like, in Germany, losing. And then she just, like, waits, like, 30 seconds. And it's like, losing is unacceptable. And, like, Gene has to be like, you you didn't finish your promo. Like, fucking, she, like, remembers the line. And she says, like, somebody who forgot the line and then... And the whole time Berlin was like staring daggers into her too. 
Which makes me wonder in hindsight, does she not speak German? Did she just memorize lines? Yeah. Probably. German's not a very common language in America. Yeah. We keep getting charged from Berlin because this is a good segment. Oh, he's great. That was the end of his segment, though. Yeah. We're wondering if the interpreter is here next week. We'll see. Um, <laughs> okay. If she's gone, then they're going a little hard on the German at the end of it. You messed up, so you're executed. <laughs> I, didn't think he, I didn't think they'd kill her. I think they'd say she's fired. <laughs> But no, this was overall a good debut. It we- really was. Weird lighting or camera exposure for this. Didn't really know what to make of that. We thought it was our VHS trip. Then we peeked at it on Peacock and it was like, no, everything is just overexposed for some reason. You were saying it could be like a German Experiment. experimental film yeah. sort of thing. May- I might be giving it too much credit. <laughs> might just- Maybe. It- I mean, it's... It- if that's going to be like his thing going forward, I like it. Yeah, I mean, they are going for a different look and feel for him. We so love a gimmick. We'll see. But yeah, I, he definitely breathed some life into this show. Hundo P. They then go to commercial, come back, and Gene is on the ramp. And he's basically on the ramp for no reason because he gets interrupted. He starts off talking about like a hockey team? Yeah, the local hockey, the New York Rangers. Okay. Oh, crap. No, is it? Oh. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's the it Rangers, the Islanders. Oh God, I don't, I don't know hockey. Yeah. And he gets interrupted. Well, he he doesn't even start talking about them. He just mentions them and get yeah, the, yeah. It, it, like that's not why he's out there. But he gets interrupted by Lex Luger, looking very disheveled. He claims that Hogan, or at least somebody in red and yellow, attacked him. Like stole from his bag, smashed his windows, poisoned our water supply, burned our crops, and delivered a plague into our houses. He did. No. But are we just going to sit around and wait until he does? <laughs> I mean, that is the general attitude oh, of Lex Luger in all these promos. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> so basically he's saying that Hogan knows what he has and is going to stop him from exposing what him. What he's saying is Hogan knows best. No, Brooke knows best, please. Let's talk about more reality TV. We're going to have to, after this podcast, we're going to have to review TNA when Brooke Hogan shows up. I want to review Brooke Knows Best. So we still don't have the proof from Lex Luger, which at this point, I thought he wasn't going to have any and be like, Hogan stole it out of my bag. Yeah, I did kind of think that. Nope, he still has it later. But never mind that for now, I guess. Yeah, and somehow more of a random match than Scotty Riggs and Lash Theroux. Oh, yeah. We get the team of Kenny Chaos and Prince Iakea in a title match versus the Wyndhams. Them good old boys. With Kurt Hennig. And, Emily, we need to talk for a second about good old boy or good old boys. Why? It's not their song. It's not? It's ripped off. It's It's just Jeff Jarrett's old theme. Oh, I thought you were saying like it was ripped from an actual artist. No, it's a but they it's it's an old WCW song that oh. they just repurposed. At least the melody. I I've heard it's also the lyrics, but I've not been able to find a version that has the lyrics. Is Jeff Jarrett a Southern boy, Southern bred? Oh yes. And when he dies, he'll be Southern dead. Yep. That's a bummer. Yeah, it was like rap is crap, still original. This one, it was like, oh, you just they just needed another one. Yeah. Why did they ditch rap is crap just because the? I think the it was too popular. Over? Oh, maybe. I think yeah, it was over. That's the thing. It was like oh, people like this. They're heels. Uh, oh, no. But it also worked for rap is crap to be their theme when they were feuding against the hip hop group. Yeah, the No Limit Soldiers. Yeah, whatever. I'm never gonna remember their name. It still slaps though. Hundred percent. I'm just sad that I've been sold a bill of lies. 
I, I still laugh at you you hating this song the first time you heard it, and now you're like, yeah, I like it. It's a bop, but I just don't like how quickly it replaced Rap is Crap. My first note about this actual match is, why is this a match? Kendall Wyndham works over Prince Iakea, including a nice left arm clothesline and a jumping DDT. They go outside, come back in, Wyndham hits a knee drop, and just wins out of fucking nowhere. Kenny Chaos and Barry Wyndham never got this match. But it, it was so out of nowhere to the point where we thought that Prince Iakea might be injured. Yeah. So they grab a mic and they're like, is that the best you got? They call out Harlem Heat and Harlem Heat comes out. And if two notes from this brawl, one, even in a wild, messy brawl, you can tell how much better Booker T is than his brother. Yeah. And two, in all the mess, Booker pins Kendall Wyndham and the ref counts it. So was this a match? Well, remember how earlier we were saying, like, oh, just any match with a champion, assume it's a title match. Yeah. We can't do that because Booker this won. This wasn't they... a match match, though. This didn't, like, have a bill. They counted a pin. That doesn't that does not necessarily mean that it was a match. A WCW official counted a pin. Did a WCW official ring the bell to start a match? I don't think so. Then, no, it wasn't a match. Ugh. <sighs> Bobby Duncan Jr. then comes out and they like try to hogtie Booker and they just fail and just kind of give up and just leave. <laughs> it's like, what, what were you going for? It this, was just a big mess. Yeah. This this was maybe five minutes in total, maybe even less. Probably and less. I like, okay. couldn't tell you why. I mean, it's been to continue the story of of these teams, but yeah, this was just weird. Yeah. I don't know why they had Booker pin Kendall Wyndham in the middle of the segment. I like I'm absolutely befuddled. I'm just I'm more curious what happened to Prince Iakea. I wouldn't be surprised if that first match was supposed to go longer because the other two never got in the ring. I don't know. But it I really was, don't know. It was weird. Moving on, I guess. We'll go on to uh Mean Gene bringing out Lex Luger again. We only saw him, you know, five minutes ago. But now he has an envelope. Gene calls Luger, you know, he's been a straight up guy. Like, has he? Lex Luger is one of the shadiest baby faces. Yeah. I don't think of him as shady. I don't know. I, at least in WCW, every time he's a face, it's always like, okay, well, like, like look at the watch, like how long until you turn. I mean, even him face turning in WWF came out of nowhere, and and everybody jokes now. His theme is, I'll be your hero. It's like, nope. I can be your hero, no, no, baby. Not even I can. I will. I will be your hero. I will be your hero, baby. No. So Luger says he doesn't take any pleasure in this. And he's like, all right, well, Sting, come out. I want to show you this. And Sting comes out. Sting notes that they've been boys for a lot longer than Sting and Hogan. My boy. Luger just accuses Hulk Hogan of driving the White Hummer. And he's like, here's my proof. And it's... Hogan wearing a black and white NWO shirt next to a white Hummer. That he has supposedly verified is the same Hummer that hit the limo that held Kevin Nash. Supposedly. Would you like to hear my... Do you have a theory? I know, My hole in Lex Luger's evidence. Oh, what? At this time, we are post-NWO merger. And if you remember, the main eventers were in the Wolfpack. So they were wearing black and red. Not black and white. But this is supposedly when Hulk was gone with the knee injury. But that's still, he would have been Wolfpack. He wouldn't have been. Did he ever truly wear the black and red though? Yes. I remember him coming out in the black and white a lot. Yes. He, he was coming out usually in like a merger of the two, if anything. But yeah, he was wearing the black and red because the black and white was the B team. No, I remember, but I just don't remember Hulk 
switching over colors. I'm fairly certain he did. Cause I remember that merger shirt, but yeah. Yeah. No, that is that is a hole that in could the plan. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but Hogan comes out and is like, "This doesn't prove anything." It's like you're not saying you didn't do it. No, he never says I didn't do it. He says this is not proof. They're all yelling at each other, and out of fucking nowhere, DDP gets in the ring, hits Hogan, leaves the ring, and then they just go back to arguing. Literally, this did nothing. Nothing changed. I don't really understand why DDP did this outside of needing to set up the main event. I guess, but that's a sad setup. Which there was already a set main event. I, I don't get this at all. It was sad. Sting and Hogan then argue, and that's the segment. We're going to see Hulk Hogan a couple more times. He, I don't think I actually processed how all over the show Hulk Hogan is. He's all over the second half. I mean, he's all over a lot of the middle of the show, too. He's just not in the beginning. Well, we'll see him again soon. We then get another strange moment from this show. We get a Nitro Girls solo act. I don't, again, I don't understand why they're using this episode to be, like, experimental. It's AC Jazz. Just doing a dance on her own. I mean, she looked fine. She looked like a Nitro girl. But again, they are unopposed. Why are they doing all this weird stuff? Showcase what you are actually doing. And get your viewers back. Don't do all this weird experimental stuff. Moving on to our next match. It's Van Hammer, who we have not seen in quite a while, Mm -hmm. versus Buff Bagwell. This confused me because I didn't realize that Berlin was not calling out Buff Bagwell for tonight. So when Buff Bagwell came out for this, I was like, why? He's going to wrestle again, I guess. But no, he's not. No, yeah. I'm kind of guessing it's going to happen to Fall Brawl. I guess so. He didn't ever say when he was calling him out for. Yeah. Man, I think because it's been a few weeks since we've seen Buff in real time. Mm-hmm. Like, almost forgot how obnoxious Buff is. Yeah, your hatred really did wane on him, but I guess it's coming back. Yeah. Buff postures for the crowd, hits an arm drag, and then does his strut. I'm like, you did one move, bud. And then the Germans come out to scout. I don't believe Berlin actually ever comes out as part of this. No, no. It's just the... Uh, it's just the wall, brother. It's, it's Uda and the dude. The wall. The Wall is actually his name? That's what he'll become, I know. I don't like him being called The Wall. It's Berlin and The Wall. It's so subtle. What are you talking about? I don't like that. Name him Mr. Gorbachev. So Buff uses quickness to gain the advantage until he gets his eye raked and thrown off the top rope. And this is peak crowd-distracted commentary. Is even like, I think I hear Tony at one point go, like, can we get that to stop? Like, I, don't I know. didn't catch that. You caught that. It's something super like brief. Like they stop talking for about like a full minute. It's real quiet. And then Bobby like drops a line in or two, but it's super awkward commentary. I mean, in commentary's defense, there's not much to talk about. In this yeah. <laughs> Van Hammer drops the line to the crowd end of the camera twice of like, he's buff and like, it's not his night or whatever. It's like, <laughs> isn't even a clever line. Like, okay, well, yeah. He's buff. He sure is buff. Hammer gets buff in a rust hold and kind of taunts moving his body around. And then buff hits a low blow. And I'm like, DQ? Nope. Buff hits a cross body and then a blockbuster and a pin. And we win. Meh. It was nothing. I mean, I, I guess it's it's meant to build him back up a little bit. Like he can beat people, but. I guess. Yeah, it just wasn't an interesting enough match. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, not every match needs to be like 
incredibly tied to the story. But every match needs to be purposeful. Yes, exactly. And I mean, this had a purpose. It just wasn't super interesting. If you're going to say the purpose of this match is to build Buff back up, then yeah, it has a purpose. Yeah. Speaking of purposeless, let's see the White Hummer clip again. In case you forgot. Including Kevin Nash punching out the window. And I'm like, why do we need to show this bit? Like, did you really not want to edit down the clip no, you already had? I'm like, just cut it short. What it's are you doing? He's retired. We then get an then get an ICP album ad. And then Mike Enos versus Evan Courageous. Another match where I'm like, My okay. first note, this is going to be nothing. I'm like, all right, where's Sid? And the crowd agrees because this is littered with we want Sid chance. I felt worse for Mike Enos here than I did Lash LaRue and uh, yeah. Scotty Riggs earlier. Enos catches Courageous on a dive to the outside and then walks up the steps and throws Courageous in the ring. He like, almost lands on his face. Like, it's real rough looking. Mm. Like, shit. Then get a powerbomb position, like, flipped into a power slam. I'm like, weird. Why? Okay. Bunch of We Want Sid chants. Courageous hits a 10-punch spot in the corner. Then gets, like, last ride powerbomb by Enos. Something's going on in the crowd again as Courageous continues to get worked over, and Enos is clearly annoyed by it. Mm -hmm. Enos hits a pile driver, and Vampiro and the ICP come out. The ICP distract the ref, and Vampiro hits a diving spin kick. And, like, on his way down, like, clips the ref. I think it's Charles Robinson. Like, you can see him, like, bump into him. And R Robinson has to kind of, like, pretend he didn't feel it. I didn't see that one. Oh, he fully bumps into him. Oh. Wow. So this is the third time we're seeing Vampire in the ICP. I think they even know, like, oh, it's the third time tonight. <sighs> Again, y'all, get the fuck out. And Courageous gets to win. Like, oh, okay. Vamp okay. Vampire gets in the ring. He's like, you owe me. And Courageous is like, what do you owe me for? This was at least a little more valid to where, like, he said it after he helped him win yeah. as opposed to Scotty Riggs. He came out and was like, you owe me. And you it's can like, actually quantify this owing. Yeah. And this was a direct, I did a move and then you won. But right. We then hear God of Thunder start playing. And I did note during this match, like, why is the stage blacked out? It was dark. But that's because the stupid... Kiss Demon's hull, I guess? Sarcophagus, I don't know. I think His sarcophagus is hidden in the darkness of the stage. And the demon is here. However, not it's, the it's a new demon. Is it a new demon? We talked about this last time. Oh, yeah. It's not the same guy. It's, it's the same Dale, It's Dale Torborg. What a name. He's here and he is mic'd up. I think just because we're not cutting away from him, he kind of comes off more ridiculous than he should. Because he's taking pauses, like we're going to be cutting back and forth. He's like, Vampiro! No! It's like, right. <laughs> like, he's just bellowing. It's, it's like, keep, no, keep your sentence going. Like, don't take the weird pause. Right. Yeah, he yells at Vampiro, and then Pyro goes off. And he, like, also yells, like, ah, as Pyro goes off. It's like, oh, no, they, they should have <laughs> cut that because it sounds really lame over a microphone. <laughs> Yeah, and that was a, he like you said, he was mic'd up. It was a loud microphone. Yeah. This is not one that can get buried in, you know, the sound of the pyro. So it'll be the demon versus Vampiro at some point. I'd say that makes sense for Fall Brawl, but they might want to wait until Halloween Havoc. They're going to let this stretch until Halloween Havoc. I don't know. Yikes. I mean, the demon and a vampire. No, you're right, yeah. but that's two months out. I mean, it's a month and a half. A month and a half. Still, like, that's that's too long. Yeah. Oh, agreed. <laughs> Listen, I agree. Doesn't mean they're not going to do it. 
But yeah, that's that segment, and I guess that's potentially the ICP moving away from Ray and Eddie, and no Kibben on the show at all. No, it's kind of sad. They might be in the doghouse after trying to quit. That's actually possible. That's very realistic. All right, four matches left. It's Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart, a.k.a. the First Family, versus Dean Malenko and Shane Douglas, a.k.a. The Revolution. Pre-match, Nobbs calls them all crybabies and all four men brawl to start. The heels beat down Douglas and the ref refuses to let Dean in, even though he's like looking at the heels cheating and he's like, well, no, you can't come in though. (laughs) Well, Dean just basically decides, fuck that and just goes to attack them anyway. And I'm like, no, good. I actually, I did like that. Or it's like, what the fuck? No. And yeah, I'm just going to do my thing. He locks in a cloverleaf on one of the two and Jimmy Hart comes in to break it up and like goes to punch Dean. And as he goes to punch, Dean releases the cloverleaf and Jimmy Hart just stops short. Like just freezes in the moment. Never mind. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hit you. I didn't hit you. I didn't hit you. Nobs accidentally squishes Jimmy Hart in the corner and they all kind of messily brawl, including Douglas dodging the no laughing matter. Douglas then hits a very unremarkable dive from the top rope to the floor onto the heels. Yeah. All four men then brawl up the ramp and the match is thrown out and or double count out, whatever you're going to call it. And it's like... I was bored. Yeah, why are these teams feuding? I was bored. Yeah, there wasn't much to this match. And then I'm like, I don't, I don't know why it's happening. There's not much to it. And then it just kind of ended. It just kind of uh, happened. Well, it, nothing really happened during it, but it happened. I think... Th- I think the best way we can summarize this is how commentary treats it, where all four men are brawling up the ramp, and they're like, well, we're going to go to commercial. Like, they're still brawling, and they're like, ah, oh, we're done. I guess we're over this. We're, we're done. You don't need to worry about the rest of this. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Can't even feign interest in this. I admittedly feel stupid in hindsight for giving Shane Douglas my MVP when he debuted, because I'm like, this, oh, you is, did. Like, this is going to be something. No. No. It's not. Yeah, I am uh, thoroughly disappointed in Shane Douglas thus He's far. He's just the mouthpiece for the revolution. I just know there will eventually be a, like, best of nine tables matches. Oh, my God. I want to say that's Shane Douglas. That sounds like Shane Douglas. Like, first person to put put your opponent through five tables wins. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Again, Mean Gene. And Hogan. Yeah. Crowd gets distracted as Gene is, like, starting to bring out Hogan. I think this is where he notes, like... Okay, yeah, she's out of here. Yeah, she hit the bricks. (laughs) This is also, I think you can kind of tell the dip in our energy. This is also where we were starting to, like, lose our will to live to watch this show. Well. It really started hot and then died quick. Yeah, and to me, I'm like, okay, we still have Goldberg and DDP left. It's like, okay, that was a great match when we saw it for real. I'm looking forward to this. You fool. Yeah, so Gene brings out Hogan and... Hogan is such a fucking scumbag that he his own son is like, are you going to turn on me, dad? And he's like, no, I would never do that, son. He has to assure his own son, I won't turn on you. <laughs> like, fucking dickhead. If you have to reassure your child that you're not going to turn on them, I don't think you're the all-American hero that you think you are. Sounds like, I watched Nitro, dad. Dad, I saw the shit you were saying. I saw the photo of you and the White Hummer. That's pretty concrete, dad. Hogan denies everything and says next week he'll throw mud in Luger's face. And I'm like, Jeez. so you're running a smear campaign against the guy who's saying you're a bad guy. It's like, oh, cool. I guess that's how it's going to work. Hogan then notes that he's tired of DDP calling him out every week. What? When? When? 
PDP says three things every week, and none of them involve none of you. them are Hogan. You are not bada bing, bada bam, nor bada bang, Hulk Hogan. You love me, you hate me, you can't live without me. You'll never forget me. Whatever. Well. Still not Hogan. You are not the bang. You will not feel you. It's and, not and, all about you, Hogan. And you are not better than Canyon. <laughs> so he wants to fight DDP and then brings out Goldberg, which I thought Hogan was saying, we'll fight him together. Hogan was apparently saying, Goldberg, I know you have this match, but nah, I want it. It's because, mine. Because Goldberg has to be like, what if we did a tag team? I don't think I caught that Hogan was trying to steal the match. It was subtle, but based on what Goldberg says, it's implied that Hogan was like, nah, my match now, brother. Oh my god. So now it's going to be a handicap match, and Gene goes to wrap it up, but the triad appear at the top of the ramp, basically just for the continuity of... Yeah, we're fine with this. We'll do this match. Yeah, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, th- th- there's no reason to be out there besides, yeah, we're good with that. I don't know why they would be good with that. That just sounds like they're going to lose that match. In their eyes, they went from DDP probably getting his ass kicked to Goldberg to having a handicap match. That is that is true, I guess. That does kind of, on paper, give them the advantage. Yeah, like it makes sense for them to agree to that. After they agree, Gene goes over to Hogan and it's like, well, I'm sure you have something to say about this. It's like, you fucking know him. Course, sure does. Of course, he's the last word. And then Goldberg actually manages to get the last word. And then they both chat at the camera going up the ramp. So Goldberg gets the last word on Mike, but they're talking the whole way up the ramp. I think Goldberg still mostly gets it on the ramp. I don't know. They never stop talking. No. Three matches left. It's a TV title match. It's the Disco Inferno coming out in leopard and cheetah print pants. <laughs> or tiger, like some sort of big cat print pants, a furry vest, and a ridiculous hat. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, it's the Disco Inferno. We, we wanted to do Who's That Pokemon, and we went, I, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing struck us as inspiration. And usually we like, usually when we're doing Who's That Pokemon, one of us has a very clear idea of like, who's that Pokemon? So there's like an inspiration behind it. This, No. This was like, this outfit should inspire us. By the way, after screen grabbing DDP from last episode, I fully stand by my pick. I still don't. I think that yours is still too black. So Disco grabs the mic, says that he's a superstar, a sex symbol, a bona fide booty shaking badass, an icon, and he's living La Vida Loca, and he's pretty fly for a white guy. <laughs> he then calls out Rick Steiner and is like, yeah, just like, bring me the belt. I should be champion. Like, sure. So Steiner comes out. I was like, okay, sure. Disco tells Steiner, put the belt around my waist, turns his back to him, and then Steiner just absolutely demolishes him for a couple minutes. I mean, of course he does. Like, rips at his face. Like, it looks pretty that was vicious. Like, but, like, don't turn your back on this guy. Yeah, beats him down, Steiner bulldog pin. Post-match, Steiner gets Disco in a lackluster submission hold and, like, punches disco's ribs repeatedly i'm like jesus like yeah like the was, submission hole didn't look rough but it was like, a kick down though everything else like it didn't look rough in terms of, like you wouldn't submit but you looked locked up enough to where like holy fuck yeah the, you would just beat the shit at, like and break your ribs oh yeah uh perry saturn makes the save perry saturn hits rick steiner from behind and before perry saturn can hit a second strike rick steiner has hit about seven punches <laughs> He snuck up behind him. He sure did. <laughs> Maybe somehow... Rick Snyder just has better reflexes. Apparently. 
So Perry Saturn basically clears the ring, and I'm like, I don't really get the point of this match other than giving Perry Saturn a reason to come down and save somebody. But, like, Disco's a dickhead. So why... Yeah, I don't know why he chose Disco to be the one that he saves. Like, is it just really that there are not enough mid-card faces to have Steiner kill somebody and then... Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Oh, let's keep moving. We get, next up, we get what actually what I thought was a pretty enjoyable match, although pretty quick and a little bit of a lame ending. It's Jerry Flynn with Jimmy Hart versus Chris Benoit for the U.S. title. Yeah, you're right. This wasn't a bad match. It was stiff as fuck. Oh, yeah. They, they both men seem to kind of understand the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> And they just stiff the fuck at each other. It's like they looked at each other on their own and was like, ECW? ECW. Even ECW isn't always stiff like this. This is No, but it's a little more of a hardcore ideology. This is more Japan stiff than mm, anything. Okay. Flynn cheap shots Benoit at the start. Like, the ref's checking Benoit's, like, boots for, like, okay, do you have anything? And Flynn hits him. Hits him quick kicks and then a spinning back chop. And the two just absolutely knock the hell out of each they other. They do. Flynn works Benoit over, mostly in the corners, including a spot that I, I kind of want to name for. It's like a spinning wheel kick where Flynn, like, lands on the floor afterwards. Like, Benoit's in the corner, and he, like, he kicks him and then uses the rotation to land on the floor. So then a couple I times. I don't know. That sounds like a cool move, if I can, like, visualize it. Get some hard chops from Benoit, and then, a, like, a really snappy snap suplex, like, more so than yeah. usual. Yeah. Triple Germans, no bridge, and then signals with a headbutt. And Benoit goes up top. Jimmy Hart doesn't even pretend, gets on the top rope, and is like, get the fuck out here. <laughs> come interfere in this match. First family come down, all attack Benoit, until the revolution makes the very flat save. It Crowd is pathetic. not into this. It was just pathetic. Like They just came off really sad in this episode. The revolution and the triad, honestly, come off really pathetic. Yeah, the triad, this week. the triad are at least heels, so them looking pathetic is a little more forgiving versus you want to, you want the revolution to almost look helpless rather than sad, where like you guess, want yeah. them to overcome the odds. This was just like... This was just bad. What are you doing? But and, I mean, like the match overall was not a bad match. No, I, I fairly enjoy this. I mean, I, I feel like you, you could have had Jerry Flynn take the pin, but teach his own. But yeah, th- this was... Hard hitting. I I do feel like they maximized their minutes. They definitely did. I mean, you can always kind of depend on Chris Benoit to put on a good match and really fill those minutes. But they could have done more, I guess, with like, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was a matter of they were probably only given so much time and they went, okay, well, you know, there's not a rest hold in this match. It is go, 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 go. They could have done more with the ending. I just, I don't like the interference ending. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is on the performers. But yeah, no, it is lame for the show. (sighs) As much credit as we're giving Benoit. Oh, he does do a little bit then, of a fuck up. Yeah, well, he, he tries to cut a promo, but is clearly a bit winded. Because, again, no rest holds. They were going fast pace. And he's not a great promo to begin with. So he's like, I don't know why Jimmy Hart is, you know, interfering with what we're doing here. I feel like you'd be on board, bud. Mm-hmm. And then, in a very ill-advised move, is like, hey, Sid Vicious... We should have a match. He doesn't call him Sid Vicious. No? He says, yo, psycho Sid, Sid Vicious. Oh. <laughs> I think I just, <laughs> my brain didn't process that. <laughs> so 
uh, I'm guessing at Fall Brawl, we're going to have Sid versus Benoit, which could be decent. Could be. But it, Sid's going to win. Oh, of course. Because he still has that stupid count gimmick. Like, that's going to keep going until... Until they face Goldberg. Which... Goldberg's if that's gonna not going to be at Fall Brawl, it's going to be Halloween Havoc. I guess so. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it didn't seem like it was building towards Fall Brawl. I guess... I don't know who... I mean, I guess Goldberg faces DDP at Fall Brawl. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. There's not really, like... There's not a clear trajectory to Fall Brawl right now. Plus, considering Sid came in at 73-0 and today, mm-hmm. he has 100 more wins to go. Well, he did say in his initial promo that he's going to pick up the pace. But he doesn't pick up the pace in this episode. Okay, considering we don't see him later, Sid ended this week at either 75-0 and or 77-0, and depending on what you count. Because Charles Robinson only had the sign for 75, but then he powerbombed the two men again. So he might have said 77. Okay, let's go with 77. Well, actually, now that I think about it, Benoit actually says, like, oh, I don't like the number 76. Like, it's just meant to be a thing of, like, I'm challenging you. I don't want your streak to continue kind of thing. Yeah. It was meant to be a cool line. It wasn't. I don't like this number. (laughs) That just sounds juvenile. A little bit. What number will Sid Vicious come into next Nitro with? It's got to be in the 90s. Okay, I was going to say 87. I'm going 94. So that match will happen eventually, and uh, let's move on to our main event. Finally. It is the team of Goldberg and Hulk Hogan versus the Jersey Triad, and it's time for Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer time. Now, feel free to disagree with me here. Yeah. You know I love to do that. To me, DDP just looks like such a bigger star than Bam Bam and Canyon. Over the last couple of weeks. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because I know it's DDP. but I think his, you're looking at it through DDP colored glasses. It's just a matter of just like his presence. The the you know the, It's not anything elaborate he's doing on the mic. But and just the look. like He just kind of exudes like he's the leader of this group. And he feels like a big deal to me. But I, I may have bias. I think you have bias because like if you think about his performance in the ring for the last few weeks it's been lackluster like yes he does have the charisma and he is very clearly a leader and like he is what makes that team that team yeah but i don't, I don't know i think you are looking at him through rose-colored ddp glasses i will say i don't have any disillusion that he will beat goldberg <laughs> uh, oh, fall for sure. all. like you know, he's gonna get he's gonna get his ass yeah. kicked what if he doesn't? What if he actually does beat him? I mean, they're clearly building to Goldberg getting whatever title shot at Starcade. Oh, true. When is Starcade again? December. December. I knew it was like opposite of De- WrestleMania. The way I see it, you have Goldberg win at Fall Brawl. You have him beat Sid at Halloween Havoc. Uh, I I don't know what replaces World War Three. I I know it's we don't have one, but whatever that pay per view is, I don't know what you do. I guess maybe you have him win some sort of number one contender match. Mm. And then you have him face whoever's the champion at uh, at Starcade. At Starcade. I guess that would make sense. Could be Hogan. Could be... I don't know. I don't know how else you I have. could see DDP versus Sting. I don't think that's as far-fetched, honestly. They're not really doing as much with Goldberg as he they used to. Oh, I mean, I agree. I, but I think, I think they want to do this... I imagine they want to do this title story with Goldberg, but they don't have anything in the meantime. Fair. 
Like, they don't know what to do with Goldberg besides have him win a big match or or lose a massive match. Yeah, but they don't have enough guys to be a massive match. Yeah. Anyway, though, the triad come out, and Canyon does his thing on the mic. DDP does a kind of shorter version of his shtick. And Hulk Hogan comes out in trunks, and I'm like, damn it, I really wanted you to be back in the pants. <laughs> he just looks... He Listen, just, you know I don't like the trunks. I don't like trunks on any of the guys. He just looks anachronistic here. He just oh, looks, that's a word. He just looks straight out of the 80s as opposed to like, like it's not your body type anymore, bud. Like, just accept it. It's fine. No, and you're right. Like, he does look better in the pants. I think all the guys look better in the pants. I don't know about everybody. I don't... <sighs> I think I feel like I'm staring at dicks. Hogan and Bam Bam start, and Hogan actually takes a bump early on. I was like, "Holy I shit!" Know. He dodges a flying headbutt and then clears the triad from the ring once again in the Hulk Hogan fashion of, "I don't really need a partner, brother." No. Hogan tags in Goldberg, and Bam Bam tags in Canyon, and Goldberg hits a fantastic yet brutal-looking pump handle suplex. Is this a new move for Goldberg? I guess so. Because it, it, I don't think I had seen it before. That's why so, I'm asking. I think I've seen that in video games. And oh. <laughs> and they sell it like Canyon sells it here, where he just like takes it like rolls like out yeah. of the ring. Like, Jesus. It's devastating. He then hits a press world's strongest slam. And the heels get the advantage via the numbers game, including some brass knuckles. Which I don't know how I felt about. Because <laughs> DDP blatantly has the brass knuckles, is cheating. And Goldberg like only mildly sells it. And I'm like... I get you're this unstoppable machine, but, like, you're, you're kind of killing a spot here. But he's been stopped by things like that before. He's been stopped once. I don't think he's lost since that match. No. Do you remember the match where someone oh. has, the like, the cookie sheet in their shirt? Okay. It wasn't a cook- It wasn't a match, and it wasn't a cookie sheet. Oh. You're thinking of the Bret Hart segment where he's wearing the armor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a higher level, but... Yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying that he has been stopped by things like brass knuckles in the past, so to, he shouldn't be to a certain degree because he shouldn't be invincible to them. Well, that is that was meant to be the all of his force basically got counteracted, got countered onto him via the the, the I'm gonna the, call it the, a the, the metal plate cookie sheet. It's a lot lame. No cookie sheets in wrestling. I actually fucking love because you can buy such a discount one to where it's. Like safe. that scene in The Wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing Cookie Sheet just fucking bend in half. It's like, yes. Makes me think that I can actually go into the dollar store and do that. Like, bend a Cookie Sheet. But yeah, Goldberg just, like, this is somebody hitting him and he just goes, no, nah, I'm still fine. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he, he shouldn't be invincible. Like, have Hogan break up the pin and have, like, Goldberg slowly come to kind of like, oh, shit, like, I'm I'm dazed. As opposed to, like, he just kind of like, gets up on his own. I'm like, okay. Mm. Goldberg gets a double clothesline and just, like, ver- walks over, tags Hogan, like, no desperation tag. I'm like... Yeah. Hogan hulks up on DDP, who gets booted out of the ring. S- glorious spear to Canyon. We get a big boot to Bam Bam Bigelow, and it gets a little messy in the camera shot here of Hogan's waiting for Goldberg to set up f- for the jackhammer. As he's setting up, Hogan hits the leg drop and pins Bam Bam Bigelow. That's happening in the background of the shot. That's the finish of the match. In the meantime, though, DDP has a chair and hits Goldberg with it like while he's setting up for the jackhammer and then hits a diamond cutter on him. 
But it's like, oh, the match is over. Okay, yeah. That was weird. And additionally, Goldberg just gets straight up, which I think is meant to be part of the story, because when they cut to DDP on the floor, he's like, what the absolute <laughs> hell? Like, holy shit. I, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, the match ends in, like, the background of the shot of a diamond cutter. Because I remember asking you, like, did we see the pin? And you're like, yeah, it was back there. It happened. Yeah. It was it was a very strange ending to the point where I was like, was this, like, the intended ending? Well, it's not stranger than the ending of the show. Well. <laughs> because we then go backstage to Sting knocking on Hulk Hogan's door going, is he in there? Clearly Fuck. not. He's in the ring having a match. Fucker, he's in, like, look. Look at the camera. Security guard's like, okay, well, Hogan's not in there. I can't let you in. Sting's like, no, it's fine. Yeah, you're gonna. He opens the door and for about, you know how film is 24 frames per second and TV is usually 30 frames per second? We then see the macho man, Randy Savage, for what I'd say is about 39 frames. (laughs) It's, like, just over a second. It's him and George. It's long enough to know who it is. Yeah. And then we just cut to a reverse angle, which makes no sense based on we literally saw in the locker room. There wasn't a camera in there. We didn't see a close-up of Sting looking kind of confused. And then we go back to the ring where it's Goldberg and Hogan. I don't know if they've seen what the audience saw. There is no music playing, which makes me think it was broadcast to everybody. But in kayfabe, I don't know if they were supposed to have seen it yeah. or what. But I don't think this leads to anything, considering we know no? Randy Savage doesn't... Well, we know he doesn't wrestle. You said that we might see him. He cuts a promo at some point? I don't know. This is a weird end. It was a very strange ending. It's a weird end to a weird Nitro. A lot of ups and downs. It was, it was very up and down, which it doesn't make sense for it to be so up and down because they're un... There's nothing going against them. Why don't they just do the show the way they do the show? Why do they feel the need to change everything this night? I don't know how much. I mean, outside of the opening bit, I don't know how much they changed from their usual stuff. It's the same mess it usually is. It felt like the same mess plus one. Well, they also technically have next week on a pose, so we'll see if they make any changes. How long is the U.S. Open? I legitimately don't know. It might be... I don't know tennis well enough. It might be just enough to where it's over the two weeks, but well, yeah, we'll have to see if they make any changes going forward. Emily, any final thoughts on this Nitro? It's not as bad as I thought it would be. I was expecting a lot worse coming out of Halloween Havoc. I was expecting to kind of go like feet first into the flames of the shit show of Nitro. Yeah, there was enough good stuff to keep us distracted. Way too many Mean Gene and Hogan segments, but... Yeah, but it was enough to keep us interested. We did take a break, but it was not like a... It wasn't so much a necessity break as it was like, I just need to get up for a second, because it's it's a three-hour show. Like Yeah. Necessity in the terms of, I need to pee and I need to like get a drink and have a snack. Well, let's move on to Best Bit and MVP. I have a feeling... Our stuff is going to be some combination of a couple things, but (laughs) I'm curious. Emily, what is your best bit? There's only one thing that deserves the best bit. It's that match. It's the Ray and Eddie and LaParka and um, Blitzkrieg match. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying there. I, I was debating between that 
and what I'm going to pick, because I think both of them are the reasons to watch this show. I think the Berlin debut is different and unique, is different and interesting enough to where it it warrants peeking at. So I think... Okay, this, this, this is interesting then. This is one of those where I almost feel like I'm giving mine best bit because you gave that if you had given the berlin debut the best bit i might have given mine to the tag team match it's well, one of those where like it's a co-best bit kind of thing well i was gonna give my mvp to berlin so well, and on that note i am going to give my mvp to someone who has never gotten mvp from either of us laparka it is LaParka. he was my number two i fucking <laughs> loved laparka and I meant to look it up, but I didn't. And I'm like, was LaParka in that Mexican hardcore tag team match we watched? Or it was a tag team or a four-way. Just that wild match we saw. We were like, holy shit. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. He had to have been in that match. I mean, he also, you know, he paid his dues the other week. Oh, getting, yeah. Getting powerbombed onto that pile of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was him. Actually, shit, was that him or that Silver King? <laughs> I don't remember. Or was that El Dandy? No, it was not El Dandy. It was him or Silver King, but um, I think it might have been. I think it was LaParka. So next up is the September 6th Monday Nitro. It's the go-home for Fall Brawl. I don't feel like we have much of a card for Fall Brawl, honestly. Like, we have a few, but... So you're saying they're having an advertising issue right now? Yes. Yeah, would you believe that we're going to see somebody for the first time in a long while next week? Is it fucking Kevin Nash? It's Bret Hart. Oh, you mentioned that he was doing house shows. He's going to be, yeah, but they didn't mention him once no. on commentary. Bret Hart's going to be back next week. I'm wondering if they're going to do like commercials and stuff hyping his return. I mean, I'd, I'd hope so, but yeah, so that'll be next time. And until then, you can listen to all of our back catalog on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio either get caught up on what's been going on recently in the timeline or listen to Halloween Havoc and just listen to us have a bit of fun and <laughs> listen to us talk about the Yeti. The Yeti. You didn't make any Yeti jokes. You can also follow us on our social media on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook at the Butts and Seeds Podcast. Emily, did, did you post the Who's That Pokemon? I sure did. Did you do it just because you edited and you actually remember to do it? No, I mean, I remembered because I, I just wanted to wait until our last episode went up. It was a timing thing. But I did post it, and I posted on our Twitter and Facebook, and it's all up and going. Well, awesome. The next episode should be coming to you in the next two weeks. But until then, Emily, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I miss the Yeti. We all do. <laughs> Listen, this show would be a lot better with, with more Yeti. That is true. And when the Yeti is on screen... All the other characters should be asking, where's the Yeti? <laughs> but until Bret Hart's return, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Buds and Seats podcast. Bye.